Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Advent celebrates and it proclaims the threefold coming of our Lord to his people. It proclaims the coming to this, his coming to this world in Bethlehem as a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, the same child who was born in a manger. It also proclaims how Jesus is coming right now to us in his presence. He tells us, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. And he comes to us today in his word and in his very body and blood in the supper. Lastly, the season of Advent proclaims how Jesus will come again for final judgment. Today we're going to hear from the person who prepares us for Jesus' coming the one who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This man's name is John. You and I know him through the testimonies of the scriptures as John the Baptist. John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. He was preaching in a desert place. The very place where he delivered his message symbolized the needs of his people. He was telling of Jesus, who is living water. He was preaching in a dry and thirsty land, and he was bringing living water to the people who were there. Do you ever feel like you're living in a desert place? The close of the semester can feel like a desert place. You are in need, and there seems to be absolutely no resources for you. You wonder, how did I ever get here? And is it possible to get out? That's the desert. You and I can go through spiritual droughts as well, where we feel almost, I dare say it, you feel dead inside. Like every morning when you get up, You just want to go back to bed at the close of the day. And we can get depressed. We can get angry. We can get hopeless. We are people living in a desert. We are in need. All of us. And John was preaching in a place of need. And he was offering Jesus, who is the cure for all of our needs. And John's clothes, where, when he was preaching, they were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt tied around his waist. His food, it was locusts and wild honey. John was not only preaching in a place that represented need, he was also dressed in clothes that represented need as well. His food had much to be desired, His whole life was based around his message. And his message, it was repentance. Now the word, the Greek word for repentance, it's from, it's metanoia. And the word actually puts two different words together. It's 
change and mind. Repentance means to change your mind. The Holy Spirit, which we receive in our baptism, it makes us change our mind about our sin. We, we, not, we do not love our sin anymore. Sure, you still desire to sin, but after you sin, you feel great shame knowing that you've turned against the one who loves you more than anything. And we're no longer prideful, or when we are prideful, we feel badly about it, knowing that we are no greater than the person that sits next to us. Each and every one of us this morning confessed the same thing. I'm a sinner, just as the person next to you confessed it. We recognize we don't have it all together. John represented your need by what he ate and by what he wore. John also spoke of the one who would fulfill that need. John said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're to repent for a reason. You are to repent because Jesus is coming. I once saw a bumper sticker that's kind of in line with this, but it was meant to poke fun at Christians, but we can laugh because it's funny. It says, Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. In other words, look like you're, look like you're, look like you're being good. <laughs> but that's not the idea. Jesus is coming soon. He comes today. But today when he comes, he brings mercy. Change your mind about your sin and receive forgiveness. If you don't agree that you're a sinner... If you say, I don't need forgiveness, you don't need Jesus. But if you recognize who you are and are honest about your faults, you recognize that you need that blood that was given and shed for you upon the cross. In Jesus' first coming, he has established his kingdom. His kingdom consists of those who believe and trust in him by his death and resurrection. His kingdom is known as the church. And right now, we are being tried, and we are waiting until Jesus sees that every last person who will believe, who will have faith, comes into that kingdom. And where are we waiting We're waiting for Jesus to appear in a dry and thirsty land. We are like the new Israel, wandering around in the new desert, which is this world. And in the same way that God provided manna for the Israelites, he provides the bread of life for his church. You have something far more special, for as you journey, And that's what it is. It's a journey. You began your journey when you went through the Red Sea waters, so to speak, of your baptism. And where are you heading? You're heading to the promised land. 
where you will see your king who comes to you in humble means now. You will see him in all of his glory. What a day that will be. But until then, you are served by your king at his table where he gives himself for food. It is funny that in times of stress, Jesus is the last one that we often turn to. We turn to pet sins. We take a Facebook break. We try to pretend like we have it all together. So many times turning to receive Jesus through the reading of scriptures or through talking to our pastor or through coming to church, so many times we see it as our last option. Imagine if he was our first option. We pretend like we don't have any needs, but John reminds us that we are all in need of Jesus. As John preached about the coming of Jesus, it said people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The people made the trip from the cities out into a dry and thirsty place. In their trips, they saw what we as Lutherans call the theology of the cross. They left a place that represented life on this earth, the city, and they went to a place that represents death on this earth, the desert. Yet it was in this place where the people found true life. For us, it's no different. We look at a symbol of death to find life. We may as well have an electric chair up above the altar. That's what the cross was in its time. It's like an electric chair. It is a place of death, a place of judgment. And we look at the cross and we see Jesus hanging there for our sins. And then we not only see Jesus' death, we go through this death with him. In our baptism, it says you were crucified with Christ in order that just as he was raised from the dead, you might live in new life. Unfortunately, not everyone, when I say not everyone, I mean, I mean, even mean me at times. Not everyone who tastes the waters of baptism remains in their baptismal faith. Many people leave the church. Hopefully it's just for a season. But some leave it for good, for one, one reason or another. There are also people who spend their whole lives coming to church, but never believe. In John's time, these people still existed as well. So as John was baptizing, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. These were pastors. These were pastors. 
And when John saw these pastors, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And really that means, like we said, repentance means change the mind. That means after you sin, because you're going to sin, you confess it for what it is. And you continually return to Jesus. It says, what does your baptism indicate? It indicates that we buy daily repentance and contrition. Confess our sins. So he says to them, these pastors, you repent. And do not think that you can say for yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Imagine if you were there and somebody was saying this to your pastor. That's how shocked the people were. And the Pharisees and Sadducees did not want to take part in the confessing of their sins. The Bible says that they rejected God's will for their lives, not receiving the baptism of John. They did not want to admit that they were in need. John proclaimed in the desert that Jesus was coming. I proclaim to you in this desert, Jesus has come. And he is here in word and sacrament for the forgiveness of your sins. And he is coming again. And when he comes the second time, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. If you are baptized and believe, you will be gathered. If you do not believe, you will be like the chaff. This is not a fun thing to repeat. And it's not a gimmick. I only say it. I say it to be faithful to this message. I say it as a warning. And the message is metanoia. Change your mind. Confess your sins as those people that received John's baptism did. God is not evil or vindictive. He has sent his only son to take your place. You do not need to suffer. And it says, he says, I do not rejoice in the suffering of the wicked, but rather that they would turn, that they would receive forgiveness I want to make sure that on that last day when Jesus returns, you are a part of his kingdom, which is the only reason I make such a long point of this. Continually recognize your need, and it's a daily need. Think about how many times you need to eat. Several times a day, right? Jesus is the bread of life. We need to eat. And now, may the peace that surpasses all understanding, 
the peace that comes from receiving Jesus. Guard your hearts and minds in him until he returns for you. Amen.